Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Jeff Pelletier. The purpose of our podcast is a simple question. Why is Israel important? Over the next many episodes, my partner Neil Johnson and I will seek to answer this question. There are just barely over 14 million descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the world today, and about five and a half million of them live in Israel. The rest are scattered across and among the nations. For the sake of our podcast, Israel is both a country and a people. Welcome back, folks, to Israel. Why is the Middle East important? In the in the previous episode, the one before the last one, we talked about Armageddon and what Armageddon was not, that it's not the end of all things. In fact, uh, Neil alluded to the fact that Har Margido actually uh, means Mount Megiddo, and he said that the area of that that refers to in the uh, in the new test in the Old Testament that area is uh, a plain. It's flat, and so Mount Megiddo could not be there because there isn't a mount a mountain there. It's a flat plain. So uh, it, there's a lot of things about that phrase. Uh, that are rounded about and thrown around. Arnold Schwarzenegger has used it in a movie title. Bruce, uh, Bruce uh, Willis. Bruce Willis, isn't that right? That's and, right. And Smith, the actor Smith. I forget his Will name. Will Smith. Will Smith. He did it. I mean, there's Bruce, millions of Bruce Willis. Okay, so Bruce Willis and uh, Will Smith and many other people have used the word Armageddon in their movie titles, and they always refer it to the last days. And that's just not true, guys. It's just not the truth. So Armageddon is not, you know, we talked about that in that show. Uh, What we want to talk about today is Gog and Magog. Now, I'm just going to confess, guys, that I always thought that the the Gog and Magog in uh, Revelation 20, which it describes, is the same thing that happens in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and that Ezekiel gave us a clearer understanding of end times, and uh, then they just referred to it in Revelation. But uh, after speaking with Neil about this, I've uh, changed my mind. So I, that's, the, that's the, what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how the idea is that most people might, many Christians, look at the Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38 and 39 as uh, the same or more detailed uh, version of what happens in Revelation 20. And that is not the case. They're two different things using the same terminology. And it is a type. They're both types of end times battles. 
So one of them is uh, one of them is a, a, a plain and literal thing that happens to Israel yet hasn't happened yet, and then we have the final, final, final thing where God reconciles everybody, and they also refer to that as Gog and Magog, but they're not exactly the same thing. So Neil, why don't you take us through how they're different and what what you see when you look at Ezekiel and what you look when you see uh, uh, Revelation. Sure, and you're right, uh, it's a headache, hmm. because uh, they first refer to Magog first as a grandson, a person, just simply a name, hmm. a grandson of Noah. And by the time we get to our discussion in Revelation 20, yeah. it seems like there's a person, a place, a title perhaps, a people, uh, it, it, it morphed over time as to the meaning. H- however, you know, that, point about, uh, that point about Noah is very important, because... Uh, Ezekiel refers to the people of Magog Correct. or Magog, Correct. so they're actually a people. Uh, throughout, uh, you know, you get a lot of scholarly uh, uh, weighing in on this very issue. Uh, where was it? Who are they? How did they become that mm-hmm. people? But yes, it seems very clear from the face that this is referring to both a specific individual and a group of people, mm-hmm. or, or, a region, if you will, mm-hmm. a, a place. Yeah. So uh, I don't think you're alone in that you read right past terms, and that becomes the problem mm-hmm. with any time God refers to any prophetic mm-hmm. event. It's future tense. It's using past tense. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it has some culmination in something. Uh, but yet there's a future culmination. We know that right from the uh, Masoretic text that uses uh, the king will be born, the Messiah will be born of a virgin. Yeah, well, right. uh, the text actually says by the time the virgin has a has a, a, a son, X, Y, and Z will have happened. So some people say that was already done away with. That's not a messianic prophecy. For us, we argue, wait a minute, why was it using the term virgin and so on? In that same vein, the words and the idea of a gog-magog uh, usage uh, can become very confusing. In this case, it is used in Revelation 20, but it it uses somewhat different uh, uh, ideas as opposed to the soon coming uh, invasion of Israel by another person identified as gog and people magog. Uh, in uh, the two chapters of Ezekiel 38 and 39. Mm-hmm. For instance, Jeff, uh, why I think they're two separate events, there's a number of reasons, but primarily it has to do with the fact that the uh, messianic reign of a thousand years at the end of that in Revelation 20, that rebellion is only led after Satan is loosed for a short period mm-hmm. and he deceives the nations who are now called Gog and Magog, some yeah. kind of a conflation. Yeah. yeah, God reuses the term, right? But it means something different. Seemingly, it sure, it sure seemingly does to me. Well, you pointed out to me yeah. something that can't be it can't be explained away. In, in that in 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 uh, Ezekiel, God instigates bad things toward towards His people, right? God instigates the battle, and in uh, Revelation, Satan clearly does it right that's so they, they they can't both be right i right. mean in terms of the they one of them it's two different things yeah, right yeah. right it's god is not satan and, and satan is not god right right so <laughs> right, right there is, is is exactly right there's a yeah. couple of main things and yeah. that would be the main one yeah. it's clear in revelation yeah. that satan is the instigator yeah. of that yeah. of that uh, of the gog and magog re- rebellion rebellion yeah. and, and and he deceives the nations and the one that people are yeah. most familiar with in our time and yeah. the 
they wrestle with what does it mean and where and when and how and who. Same mm. thing you and I mm. wrestled with yeah. beforehand. Oh, yeah. uh, Ezekiel is so attractive to, to people that read the Bible because it more succinctly in two chapters lays out, well, who are these characters? Mm-hmm. Where do they come mm-hmm. from? What do they do? And what happens to them? Yeah, exactly. Uh, most places it's not as... Uh, easy to find those answers mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. quickly yeah. as Ezekiel 38 yeah. and 39. Yeah. So, so uh, let's talk about, because uh, the, the Ezekiel event is yet to be also. Right, right, exactly. Yet to be also. So tell, tell us, and you've kind of, you and I have had this discussion and you've kind of laid it out for me, but that Ezekiel battle is, like I said, it's yes to, is yet to be, it's future. But you think it's imminent. I think it's imminent. Let's, uh, let's, let's hear that. Well, we, we have this idea that Israel is dwelling at peace. They're dwelling securely. They're in unwalled villages. Uh, there, there's no bars or gates around them. Well, anybody who's been to Israel knows that is not the reality of the and situation How many times today. have you been to Israel? Oh, I don't know, 10, 12. 10 sometimes, or 12 times. More, okay. Maybe so. Okay. Um, uh, not as many as I would like, okay? Right, yeah, I know you've, you've said that many times. <laughs> right, right. So, and I really, really envy the fact that you've been there so many times. I have not been once, so. Well, we'll change that soon. Yeah, we, we have to. Yeah. We have to do that. We'll bring it's on the bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but there is a number of things laid out, and one of the main ones is who are these protagonists in Ezekiel 38 and 39 that come with this this character, this person, this this. Um, entity that that is specifically called out as the leader of this consortium and those uh, places for the most part some of them are conjecture based on scholarly research where and what region and what people group and so on but but a number are specifically identified that we know where they are and who they are and one of the main ones of course is present-day Iran or ancient Persia so we can read about this consortium coming against Israel, coming against Israel in a certain mindset, a certain attitude. They are very rich because there's no way an army like that gets gathered other than ideological reasons. And seemingly Gog has a different reason. He's the head of this group, mm-hmm. seemingly, but his idea is to take a spoil. So we know that Israel is in a very good spot economically and has something to take, or you don't... In- Engage an army. You don't do all the logistics and so on to to bring an army to bring a huge number of people. Mm-hmm. If it's not strictly ideological, I think part of the army joins Gog because they do have ideological reasons. We left off with Psalm eighty three, which was all yes. ideological yes. reasons. That's right. And I think that uh, Persia, being named as one of the primary movers behind this Gog Magog invasion, their uh, desire to wipe Israel off the map is entirely. Ideological. So per- Persia is Iran. Persia is Iran. Iran yeah. is ancient Persia. Yeah, that's right. And in general, and you, and you yeah. said there's a province in Iran. Yes. That still exists, and it is in this passage. It is well. It is. It is in one of those. It's a little harder to to read, but it's very delineated. It's called out very specifically by Jeremiah in, in Jeremiah forty nine, and it is the region or the province of Persia called Elam. Yeah. And it says the judgment. Well, what's so mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. about that is... Uh, Elam is E-L-O-M? E-L-A-M. A-M. Okay. A-M. Elam. Elam. The, yep. the Elamites. Yep. And Elamites. They're, they're and that's in Ezekiel. Uh, that's in Jeremiah. Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah sorry. 49. Yep. Uh, uh, so a number of these uh, 
characters that are easily identifiable and talked about in Ezekiel 38 and 39 are also referenced other places, so you put them all together. Mm. But what's specifically interesting is Persia is called out, but also in Jeremiah, that a very interesting region that has a number of nuclear reactors. So so we know there's a conflagration. Mm. We know it's yet to be. It talks about the judgment that God's going to have, just as it does referencing Gog and Magog and Ezekiel. So, folks, a couple of, uh, I think it was the last episode. It might have been the one before I mentioned the idea, why would anybody build a house surrounded by their enemies? And that's what Israel is. It's a country that is surrounded by people who would rather it didn't exist. When When Neil talks about the idea of these people who already don't like them very much, you know, get, getting together to eliminate them, is it's not completely out of the question. In fact, it's been tried once or twice yeah. <laughs> in the last 30, 50 years. It's been tried. Actually, where, you know, Egypt and Iran and Jordan got together and they tried to take it down. And, and Israel won the, those battles. So it, it's really important uh, to understand that what Neil is talking about here is a future event. It's not that far-fetched. Right. It's a soon-coming future event, just like the Psalm 83 conflagration is a future event. And, and, and when you read these things, Jeff, you have to remember, too, that while they're referred to as separate individual uh, upheavals, conflagrations, uh, first of all, there's no indication between them as to how long that is. No, no idea how long that period is. It, it could be short or it could be a matter of some few years. But the indicia, we always talk about what's necessary if this event happened today. Sometimes in Scripture, like in Ezekiel 38 and 39, we can see that, oh, it did lay out some indicia, and they're not all present quite yet in their entirety. But because of the day and age in which we live in, we can see they're about to be fulfilled the conditions where it could happen. Psalm 83, on the other hand, which I always say they're kind of one in the same. They're an event, yeah. and I think shortly thereafter another event happens. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, comes this Gog-Magog conflagration. And uh, what you mentioned one of the principles is Israel's attacked. God's people are tried to be wiped out, and always Israel winds up with more territory. More territory. And in, in, in the Gog and Magog account in the Old Testament in Ezekiel, God uh, uses this event to demonstrate his glory, to demonstrate who he is. And if that's a futuristic event, for Christians, that's a powerful thing. Because our God, the one we are defending all the time, the God of Israel, that God is our God. And when we, uh, is Yahweh is his name, when this happens, not if this happens, when this happens, God will be victorious in protecting his people. Right, and it's uh, very clear that uh, God makes it uh, abundantly clear in this uh, these two chapters specifically that yep. it is he who is intervening. It yep. is he yep. who is uh, raining down the fire, causing the earthquake, yep. causing the destruction yep. of all these people, yep. which uh, God never wants to kill people. No. But the fact is, this Gog-Magog cataclysmic conflagration is exactly like the parting of the Red Sea. It is so enormously, so miraculous, so incredible uh, that the nations will look at it and say, how else could they survive? Even if I was so thick to think that uh, 
Israel's restoration to the land and their survival up to the present day was not miraculous because mm-hmm. a lot of people just don't know how miraculous <laughs> it was. It's what a great story. This conflagration that will soon be before yeah. us makes yeah. it abundantly clear that the nations, all the people around mm-hmm. the globe, mm-hmm. in our snow globe as mm-hmm. we always call it, will say, what was that? There's no way they could have survived that. Now, it seems clear as well from reading it that there's a lot of innuendo that... Uh, Israel is wounded. Yes, they have many promises, but they're wounded by this attempt. It seems like there's retaliatory events, missiles or some such thing, that Israel also uses because it talks about fire in the land of Magog and on the coastlands and so on. So it seems like there is a conflagration where Israel is not just a passive sitting by letting them amass on her borders. There's a there's an event, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and if we read other verses, we do see that it uh, cryptically talks about the kings of the east coming across a dry Euphrates to mm-hmm. at some point, and I think it very well could be uh, well, one of these, uh, this event or the other Gog Magog event as well. So, and you, and you talk about the way God, the way God wins the battle. How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, get the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com slash gift. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's, it's a repeat of Sodom and Gomorrah in terms of the way he wins it. That's exactly right. Uh, it, it is a Sodom and Gomorrah event in that it is clear, almost like the 1973 war, that Israel could not defeat this uh, consortium, this confederation, who are bent on its destruction for various reasons. And uh, everybody, Israel included, but all the nations will say that had to be God. And in fact, it was because it makes it clear that it is not the idea of the Israel Defense Forces in any way, even though there's retaliatory strikes it alludes to, uh, that defended and kept out this invading horde, it is God who on the mountains of Israel, as it says, he will wipe them all out, and it will mm. take seven years to bury them all. Seven years to bury them all. And they will use the weapons that were formed against them, it says in Ezekiel, to uh, provide fuel and resources for themselves. Right, which would be totally inconsistent with any sort of messianic reign because, uh, A, it seems uh, foolish that right after Satan is left loose, it it seems to go into a a whole new realm, a whole new, uh, what I'll call, Jeff, the eighth-day experience where there's a new Jerusalem and a new event and a new reality, a new dimension, if you will, that's outside of our snow globe that we are bound by these three or four uh, dimensions we're cognizant of today, uh, where all kinds of things begin to happen, so there would be no need to burn fuel and, by and, an invading force. And, and Neil, you, you when you talk about the uh, uh, the fourth the fourth dimension, there is evidence in uh, Ephesians. 
Paul in Paul in Ephesians chapter three, where Paul talks about the height and depth and width and length of the love of God. Yeah, which right. is four dimensions. Right, right. Yeah, I, it, it seems like there was a lot of uh, uh, mystics through the years who who alluded or hinted or had some picture of these other dimensions, and today we. We can go by science, and they have all kinds of theories and string theories and macro yep. uh, cosms yep. and microcosms. And quantum and, physics. And quantum physics and yep. all these different theories. Quantum mechanics. Right. That, that, that basically Einstein opened up this new yeah, way of he thinking. Did. He did. And uh, we are the products of that today yeah. with even our movies. You mentioned yeah. some, but yeah. even our movie The Matrix. Is this yeah. all just a simulation? Yeah. Is this yeah. all created? And yeah. in effect, you could say... Kind of, yes. We live in a snow globe for a very defined purpose. Why exactly? I don't know. But we are bound by the reality of this dimension. And in this dimension, Israel is front and center, primary. And we're about to see, uh, cognizant or not, people who are going to be led by thoughts, Mm -hmm. directed from our adversary or not, Mm -hmm. that they want to wipe out Israel. And as we always point out, for one very specific reason, if there are no Jews, if there is no land, if there is no temple... None of the promises of God for redemption for all humanity can come to fruition. They cannot. He has lost. Israel must exist for all of that to come to fruition. So if Israel is wiped off the map, they cannot happen. And they don't mean anything. Those promises mean nothing. Because it proved that God is not capable, yeah. that, that faced with the adversary... Yeah. Uh, we call them demons. There are yeah. a number of them, yeah. uh, not just in number, but types. Sure. There's a number of hierarchy. Yeah. Uh, they are in themselves stronger than our God who gave all these promises to us through yeah. Israel that yeah. completely depend on their being an intact, viable, healthy people yeah. and land. In the land. Right. So we talk about that in the opening of our show, that Israel is both a people and a land. And the promises about the land, which are everlasting, it says. Those promises are everlasting. And they will be his people forever, it says. Is it true or not? And can it, it, and if you're, if you're, you know, if you're looking at the situation, folks, and you're going, well, I don't really care about that. That's another thing. You know, I don't even, you know, I don't see that at all. But we have this huge body of evidence in the book. Ezekiel 38 and 39, right? And then we have Revelation at the end, right? Where God makes it all right and brings down a new planet or a new land or a new city, right? We continue to be with him and he continues to be with us. And that's a really powerful thing. And it's not just uh, science fiction, as it were, because uh, as we pointed out, even the scientists uh, today can see all of this reality of Mm. Things like time travel that once was just pure uh, science fiction, now we can see, no, they can actually do models for that. Uh, Different realms of dimensions, as we call it. Absolutely, we know the universe is now finite. We know that the while it's ever expanding, it has an end, which means it also had a beginning. So in uh, our belief, we say uh, God said, uh, let there be, and there was out of the chaos. Well, science, of course, they just say out of nothing came an explosion, so nothing caused an explosion. Well, the point (laughs) is that... Nothing caused it. (laughs) Nothing caused the explosion, but there was was nothing, and we had an explosion. Yes, exactly. But uh, all those theories are being done away with, and, and, and we're expanding our understanding, and it's happening to Christians, too, that... 
while we recognize it and it's consistent with what was written, it is entirely different than we would assume. The only consistency we have is that this opposing force wants to do away in our dimension, our snow globe, with the people and the land of Israel, or there is no redemption. So as we look at that story in uh, Ezekiel 38-39, there is a reference, and I and I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I mean, just to make it real, uh, there's this thing called Rosh, R-O-S-H, Rosh, and that has been alluded to as Russia. Correct. Right? And uh, we know that Mr. Putin is not a big fan of Israel for and for a variety of reasons right he's he's a, an ally with Iran number one uh, and but the other and Iran is committed to the to destruction of Israel uh, but but also he's a uh, he's uh, a Russian Orthodox and the Orthodox uh, are uh, very oriented towards Christianity replacing Judaism we, we can destroy Israel because it's not a problem because they're not, they're obsolete, we don't need them anymore. We're the we're the people. We're the chosen ones. So there's a there's a couple of reasons why uh, Putin getting involved or Russia getting involved wouldn't be far fetched. Well, it's not far fetched by any stretch of the imagination. Looking at the news today, and whether it's Putin or he gets assassinated or sick or anything, and yeah. it's somebody else, the yeah. idea that yeah. Russia. Uh, is aligning itself with Turkey and yeah. Persia, yeah. Iran. Yeah. Uh, you can see it daily on the news, both yeah. economically yeah. and uh, politically. They are aligned mm-hmm. and aligning more so every day, which, again, is this interesting idea of strange bedfellows coming mm-hmm. for a common goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russia slash Putin slash Roche, however, whatever, yeah. if yeah. it even is that. Yeah. Uh, they're seemingly coming for different motives, taking riches, getting land, getting uh, bases on the Mediterranean, who knows, uh, versus our consortium of people who religiously and uh, ideologically uh, are against the very existence of a land of Israel, the Temple Mount, Jerusalem controlled by and owned by and run by Jews, and the people themselves. They want to do away with that. Uh, so again, as we saw in 83, we have this consortium, consortium that came that were basically Persian proxies. I think that's uh, imminent. We have some things in 38 and 39 that still have to be kind of uh, fulfilled, if you mm-hmm. will, or facts on the ground, mm-hmm. which definitely would happen from a pre-Psalm uh, 83 type invasion. It would make them much more secure. It would make them much less susceptible to suicide bombing and so on. They'd have a huger area of of buffer, as it were, uh, and that could easily set up this 38-39 confederation war that happens with Persia still pulling the strings Mm -hmm. to some degree. Mm -hmm. And And God rescues Israel. God delivers them. There you go again. There it is again. God delivers them from that battle, and they are victorious, and they they don't fire a shot. God does it. Okay, and that's that's important uh, because God, you know, the 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 purpose of the according to Ezekiel, the purpose of the event is to show the world who God is. Right. God is claiming these are my people. I am their God, and I am the God of all gods. And 
you know, he gets the glory, which is what, he, and that, if, if you think about the, uh, the redemptive effect of people coming to that God as a result of this event, an event like this, it's a huge welcoming, a huge invitation for people to believe. Well, as you said before, it is a uh, type of res- re- redemption and restoration, but we've seen it before. We saw it at the Red Sea. I mean, you have to remember that while Israel may or may not have fired a shot, it seems like maybe they did. There's there's fire in Magog. It sounds like that's illusion that they were trying. But yes, God rescues them specifically. It's he who does it in spite of their own. In other words, the Israeli Defense Forces doesn't keep this consortium, this confederation away. God says, I'll do it. So they obviously, where he intervenes is they're already on the land. They're in the mountains of Israel. But to your point, we saw this before when uh, Moses took the people right to the Red Sea and God directly intervened then. He provided a way for them out. Mm-hmm. It was still scary. It was still hard, all this. But when the Egyptians tried to follow them, God destroyed them. And we see that throughout uh, Scripture in many different times with some of these very same people that are enumerated in the Gog Confederation uh, that God's dealt with them in the past in some of the similar same ways. So there's nothing new under the sun. Hmm. But again, just as the Egyptians looked at that conflagration, they were forced to say, God is with these people. And we see that later when the Israelites went through the uh, through the desert, the wilderness, that various uh, kingdoms who were opposed to them said, we have already heard of you. We already heard what happened at Red Sea. This event of Gog and Magog, the whole world will have seen it, probably today by TV, mm-hmm. and will say, that's impossible. How are they still there? And it will be another Red Sea miracle kind of event. And and what do you, uh, folks, what do you think the effect of that will be on the world economy when that when an event like that occurs? There'll be short-term, for sure, short-term uh, depression, all kinds of, for us, I mean, our, our world will come crashing down. Uh, but God, as it says, will restore and he will bring back. And it takes seven years for everything to come back. But, uh, you know, the uh, Great Depression was uh, 15 years. So, you know, it's not that big a deal. But God is doing it to reveal himself. He's redoing it to, to show us who he is. So the world will know who he is. So that believing in his son is the right thing to do so that, the, so that people will be saved. And, and so I'm, I'm thrilled. Uh, I, I hope I don't, you know, go through it personally because uh, it's going to be difficult. And I pray about it. Uh, but, you know, we talk about Israel. Why is the Middle East important? And if this doesn't help you see that, I don't know what will. Uh, you know, we're going to keep talking about it, of course. We talked about the settlements in the last, uh, and we talked about the land and what God said about the land, and they keep getting more land, and they keep getting back what God gave them, and isn't that interesting? Uh, so uh, we're, you know, maybe we'll talk about this again sometime. We'll reboot this and, and talk about it. Well, as they say, <laughs> you don't have to be prophetic once it happens, but these events are on our horizon <laughs> And the reason we want to say why, uh, again, Jeff, is so that people are not caught unawares. Yes, uh, that's right. Even though they're horrific, and they yeah. will be horrific. Yeah. And the the prophets spared no, uh, uh, what would you call it? They spared no effort at saying it yes. would be anything lovely, even yes. though God's in it. Yes. Uh, it's one thing to be in the desert yep. and living in that heat and that environment yep. and still recognizing God is with you. God is with you. So uh, thank you, God, for being with us.
And uh, we, uh, until next time. And uh, like I said, we'll probably revisit this topic at a, at a time in the future. But it was interesting for me to get comparison between Revelation 20 and, the comp- and to Ezekiel uh, 38, 39. Read both of them for yourself. And uh, I think you'll be, uh, you'll, you'll be pleased. Con- you can contact us on Facebook, Israel, Why is the Middle East Matter? And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, so until then, this has been a great discussion for this episode of Israel, Why is the Middle East Important? I look forward to how this continues to unfold. As you can tell, Neil and I enjoy talking about the subject as it helps us to get to the root of the matter about God and why Israel and the Middle East are so important. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at our home at Spreaker.com. Israel, why is the Middle East important? That's Spreaker.com. Israel, why is the Middle East important? And you can find us on Facebook using that same title. And you can email us at why is the Middle East important at gmail.com. That's why is the Middle East important at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. If you like what you hear, please invite your friends to the conversation. One thing Neil and I always say to each other is, I don't know. Because the only way we know is to not know. Once you have it all figured out, you stop learning. And that state of mind is what helps us to learn and grow. We invite you into that journey with us. From Neil Johnson and me, Jeff Pelletier, Shalom, and see you next time. Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.